Ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons, welcome to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by the Gravitron, Scott of VectorSigma.info. How are you doing, Scott? Oh, God, did I lose Scott? I'm here, sorry. Oh, all right. I thought we lost you. I was getting an, I was getting an echo because I didn't turn the uh, sound off Twitch, my bad. Oh, all right, no problem. <laughs> so, uh, did Thanksgiving go well for you? Oh, yeah, I was out of town, so I was just traveling, but otherwise it was fine. Yeah, Thanksgiving, uh, for me personally, it's always my buddies from growing up every year, even though we're way beyond the reasonable age to be doing this, we play our Thanksgiving Day football game, and thankfully, nobody went to the hospital this year. That's good. <laughs> so, that, that, everybody came away with a win there. We're all very tired, very beat up, but, you know, you got to do it for tradition's sake at this point. Sure. So, uh, well, we do have our nice, shiny agenda up there, although <laughs> it's a little bit leaner this week, because there, but there are big things, I guess. So we're not quite quantity, but we do have the quality going. So I guess we'll take it from the top, run through the news, and then we have a whole lot of discussion that we want to talk about for leading into this weekend. Um, one quick thing is we did have a local... Another local case tournament. Unfortunately, we didn't have quite the turnout as much as we did the previous time, but a bunch of guys came out. So shout out to uh, Mark and Adam, who ended up splitting in the finals. It was Bugs and Dinobots. Uh, they were both played it really well. I know I was playing Jank and I played poorly, but we had you know, a lot of fun with everybody that came out. So shout out to those guys and shout out to Nova's, Nova Games, which I don't have it on the agenda, but figured I wanted to get it out there. As always... Make sure you're talking to your local stores. Let them know if you want events because they got to know. So, uh, yeah, it was just a bad weekend for. Yeah, it 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 was a little weird that it they announced it so far in advance. It's I don't know. I guess there was some scheduling conflict that they had to have that weekend. You know what I mean? It's all good. There wasn't a lot of promotion for it. Right. Next time, if I I guess if I'm able to make it, I'll I'll help promote it a little bit more. I guess. Yeah. And that's another thing to, to put out there real quick. Anybody who is hosting an event, I think the Wreck and Rule guys just recently, like last couple of weeks, put out a how to build your community sort of thing. Uh, the second one of that. The yes. Second one of that, yeah. How to keep your community going, I think it was this time. Right. Yeah. Uh, so my point being is that part of that is also going to be promotion, like you were just saying. you got to make sure people are aware of what's going on. So... <laughs> It's allowed. The, the dogs are, are emphasizing the point. <laughs> yeah, mine is, uh, I think, hiding with my wife because she, she's very quiet, but she, uh, she'll she every once in a while make an appearance. But anyway, so um, back to the news. So we do have official limited rules. If you haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure the official accounts will tweeted it out and put it on Facebook, but uh, you can check it out over on the WPN network. That's a Wizard Play network. So they introduced several different formats. There's a league format, which is going to be run at PAX. It's basically sealed deck, for those of you that are familiar with it. You get five packs, you build a deck, you have you know some other ancillary rules you play. Now the caveat with league is usually you can supplement your deck with additional packs based on, you know, if it were at your local store, it would probably be like once a week or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you usually, you know, build up your... Everybody starts out small, but then builds up over time. So you get that simulated, oh, well, we're all starting together. It's not, you know, well, that guy bought three cases and I bought 
the starter in three packs sort of thing. <laughs> right. Um, beyond that, they also introduced two packs sealed, <laughs> which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you get two packs, you play a game with the two packs. It, the last one, which is the most interesting, is draft. And a lot of people I know were trying to figure out how draft worked. But now we actually have it. They have basic rules and advanced rules. And essentially, you draft the character cards, then you draft the battle cards. There are some details for it, but did you have anything you wanted to put in for that, Scott? Or did you just check them out? Are you looking so forward I to read, drafting? I read them when I was at the airport. Um, I didn't really understand. There was something mentioned in the draft about how um, essentially... I thought it read at one point like you choose to put the characters you don't want in the middle. Yeah, so, like, it was. It's a little implied that weird. like you get to keep what you what you open of you don't unless you don't like them or something like that. Like I didn't get that part. Yeah, it seemed a little odd. I think it's one of those I I get it and simultaneously don't. I kind of just have to do it once, sort of thing. And I, mean, then I'll I, I didn't it get out. why it wasn't just like all the characters of the pack. I guess they're just basically saying, like, you're going to basically, I don't know, uh, yeah, your first pick is going to be, just hold back your first pick, I think is what they're kind of saying, but I, I don't understand why it was written that way. Yeah, it's a little it confusing. Like that's what they were saying. I'm sure when we get the packs this weekend that, well, there are going to be allegedly going to be some official reps there that we could pick their brain or if they're running events. I don't think they officially have drafts on schedule, but I'm confident there will be people trying to put a draft together at one point or another. Yep, so, uh, any other thoughts on the limited stuff? No, it's good. I mean, it's just good that they're they're putting out anything. I mean, like, right? I know, like, we we had long in depth conversations on on the on the group about like you know. Oh, every time that somebody they post anything, it just it, it leads to the question of organized play. And like I, right. again, I stand by. Yeah, I don't know if I'm if I'm if I have a case tournament in two weeks. That to me is quote organized play. I don't need like a ranking and all this stuff to tell me how I'm doing. Like no, I so and I agree with you there. I I understand the argument that it's good to have it as first party rather than third mm -hmm. party. You know that people organizing themselves or stores, but. At the end of the day, you're absolutely right. If there's a tournament and it's organized, by definition, that's organized play. Yeah, I mean, technically, from what I understand, the unofficial tournament organization of, of Magic, for example, outdraws the like official, like regionals, nationals, things like that. Like the the weekly larger third party events do better. So, like, yeah, that's that's why I just think that. You know, it, it doesn't need to go the route that people think it needs to go. So, but no, I mean, it's still encouraging that if they're mm -hmm. even putting stuff out like this, then it means that they understand that people want this type of right organization. I guess. And for anybody out there who's concerned for whatever reason, uh, and we're going to bring something up with the next topic as well to this point, but they are obviously listening. They clearly. This isn't their first rodeo. They know what they're doing. They know to listen and look for certain cues and channels and things like that. So you're going to get this stuff at some point. It's just a matter of time and how they want to do it. Plus, it's a, you know, it's a big company. It takes some time to get the ball rolling for some of these things. Anybody out there who's worked for or with a big company 
has to know that story by now. Like nothing stops on a dime. Yeah, I think I think I think the only issue that I think people are kind of having, and, and and I guess it could be just like a larger topic, is just that like there seem to be a lot of games coming out nowadays where like it's almost like the game itself is irrelevant next to the organized play. And it's, to me, it's mm. been this way for off and on there, a game like this comes out every, every few years and oh, always, yeah. fail, always fails. So I'd rather like the game itself be selling well and doing well. And then the organized play come later than, than vice versa, where like I could give you numerous examples where, you know, where they push the organized play to start with, over the design and over the the community and, and it failed miserably so absolutely it, it's it, it's like anything else if you go super top heavy it becomes a very fragile foundation and you yeah. need to make sure that everything's stable so i can certainly appreciate the approach assuming that's the way they're going with it but yeah obviously we don't have any contact with them we don't we're not reading their minds we're all just speculating on what we think is there or not there yep so but yes, I agree with you that it is a good sign. It's good to have these details out there. Like I said, they're listening, so everybody relax. Yeah. So moving from there, one of the other cool things, speaking of the design team, it actually was today, I think, that showed up on Facebook. Uh, yeah, randomly in the afternoon. I think. Yeah, it, it, not a whole lot of fanfare, but I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Facebook that they have a little quick write-up from each of the design team members. It sounded like it was autobiographical that they put it all together themselves and then like presumably somebody vetted it and then released it. Um, right. One of the key components though, I mean, it, it's all definitely very interesting. I suggest anybody who wants to, you know, see the names, learn who these people are, because they do deserve credit for designing this game. It's fantastic. Uh, one of the last lines in there, I don't know if you saw this, Scott, was that we're allegedly going to be getting information about other Transformers TCG products very soon. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Cool. Yeah, it was in one of the last responses. No allusions to what it is or what the nature is, whether it's cards, it's, you know, ancillary products like sleeves, boxes, that sort of thing, binders. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, it just said other that he worked on other Transformers TCG stuff that we'll be hearing about soon, combined oh. with the alleged other rumors that maybe we'll get news at PAX. Get me kind of excited. I'm really hoping that we get something new coming there. Not that the stuff here isn't good, but it's always fun getting more stuff. Hmm. Yeah, so we'll have to see how that that turns out because it, I like I said, while I love new stuff, it, there's also an argument to be said that you know don't overload everything right now, but maybe they want something before Christmas. I mean, I don't know. I would expect more things at the beginning of next year rather than that aggressively. Yeah, it was also good. I mean, I see a lot of names and faces that I recognize. I mean, I've known, like, I've known of Charlie Catino since I was, like, 16. Like, he was, like, I think he actually helped design uh, Magic, like, years ago. So it was good to see that they had, like, this large of a team right um, on this and things like that. So, and then names that I recognize. So it, it was good. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of big names. And <laughs> it's funny... It shows, I mean, we've talked about this before, and I've had these conversations in real life, that these people, and we even just said it, these people know what they're doing. <laughs> this is not their yep. first rodeo. They they have a pretty good clue. 
So uh, the confidence level is high. I'm willing to, and not saying that there have been, but if there are missteps for whatever reason, on whether it's in-game, out-of-game, whatever, I feel confident that they can address them. Yep. So, uh, so any other thoughts on that, well, the, the surprise news from today? <laughs> well, I guess they showed the uncut sheets that we'll be playing for the pack. Yes. So there was some there was some confusion. I saw somebody posting because I didn't get to look at the pictures real closely that some of the sheets were just straight up all Nemesis Prime. Uh yeah, I think it's the super rare sheet. I think it was just like I think it was both of them, the super rares, like had their own sheet or whatever. Right. Obviously everybody would be super excited if that were the case at PAX, but I'm fully expecting that it's gonna be, you know, random characters, not not literally a sheet of super rare bumblebees or something. I think it's like half Nemesis, half them. Like two of them look like they're holding rare sheets. Two of them look like they're holding. Well, one looks like a common sheet. One's like an uncommon sheet. Mm. No, two common sheets, one uncommon sheet, two rare sheets, and the super rare sheet looks like. I mean, that would make so, sense for yeah. like from a logistical printing perspective. So yeah, I um, mean. I remember, I mean, you can cut them up if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, if I get one of those that's getting framed and it's going on the wall. <laughs> like that. I just, yeah, I just remember years and years ago, like when other companies would give these out and it was like a really good, like a good one, like like if you were to get the Super Air Sheet, for example. Right. Um, I just remember people being like, I don't know if Kinko's still exists, but back then it was like, you can go to Kinko's and they'll, they'll cut them for you. Man, I don't know if I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> on one hand, yes, I get it. You know, if, if the card's really good or you need extra copies or whatever. But at the same time, it's A, like, that's super cool. I've personally never won one of those. I've never owned one of those, so I thought it would be really cool. But also, I would feel weird handing it over to someone to, to cut it up. And then if they mess it up, I'd be super upset. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I, mean, I got there's 49, I think it's, for, I think I can count 49 cards on the sheet, so there's like as long as 49 $50, $50 bills minimum sitting there, so. That's also true. That's a very good so, point. It'd be kind of hard. I mean, like, that super rare sheet, if you were to cut it up, is probably worth like 2500 bucks. So. Yeah. It's a fair point. I can certainly yeah. understand it, <laughs> and I would not knock well, anybody, but I, let's just say I'm not pulling my scissors out of my desk drawer and uh, doing yeah, it I mean, myself. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that's why these if Kinko's even still to this, I know. Yeah, really well, I'm sure Staples and stuff will, will cover yeah, yeah. it. But... Whoever, whoever of those types of stores still to this. So. Right. Oh, so the, real quick before we move on, the uh, Scott Van Essen one, it's one of the last ones, or maybe the last one, uh, was where he mentioned that he was on the design team for Wave 1, the Autobot Starter, Metroplex, and he's also on the design team for several upcoming Transformers TCG products that we'll be hearing about soon. So, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Okay, we'll see how what constitutes soon. I've <laughs> I've heard that phrase yeah. from other places before. So, yeah. Um, so one quick thing that was not on the agenda as we kind of segue into packs was actually this. So if you're watching on YouTube or if you are in the live stream right now, Scott, you want to tell us a little bit about? Well, I saw this as a play mat, but. Uh, I guess your new logo for Vector Sigma? <laughs> My business cards? <course>? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so these are um these are two images from Transformers uh Legends or Rising. I know the Megatron was one of the ones I used in, in Rising. Uh, but they're both from the Legends and I, I just thought it was cool to put the two pictures together of I guess my 
one favorite character that became two, like whatever you want to call it. So uh, <laughs> right, right. I'll have these with me at PAX to hand out so people can see the website. Um, so yeah, I just put them together and in in Word and PowerPoint, not even using Photoshop. So nice. I know it's not the it's probably not the best. The things aren't lining up exactly correctly, but uh, hey, it looks yeah, pretty good so to me. I, and like I said, I, I just mean me my own logo. So um, nice. the website would like this will be the. I've been trying to use this on. Um, I used it a couple times when I was posting the last couple podcasts because I haven't had an article in a while. Um, so last time I was posting about the podcast, I used this as the background image on Facebook, um, and I'll try to. I'll eventually like replace one of the main banners on the website with it. Um, the only reason why I'm not, I wasn't rushing to replace the main banner is because the the main picture of Megatron that I use is from Power of the Primes, and it's actually like. Like, I took a, a photo of, like, my TV watching it. And I also, like, filmed, <laughs> filmed like, him saying cool stuff to uh, Megatronus from there. So, like, nice. it, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was, like, something I just grabbed. So, I, I kind of felt like it was, like, a, quote, original image, even though, obviously, it's a, it's just from Power of the Primes. But, like, it wasn't something that had been used in other, in right, other right. media. So, I got gotcha. you. Awesome. So. Well, I wanted to point that out because I I saw this on the playmat that you had, or or well, at least the images on the playmat. Yeah, the playmat just really doesn't have. It, exactly the same. Whatever doesn't have like all the my name and my title and all that stuff. It just has everything on the left side under Megatron is not there, but everything else is there. Nice. So yeah, definitely come looking for Scott. He'll well, I'm assuming you're going to be hanging out in the uh, in or around the Transformers area most of the weekend, right? Yep. Awesome. So anything else? So that kind of leads into what I'm. Since we were originally planning to record literally the night before, and then we said, "Hey, well, maybe we should get the lead-in episode out before the event actually happens." Uh, the night before Paximus. So I'm super excited about the event, uh, and it. We're gonna kind of waffle between, or maybe not waffle between, but kind of flow between all the remaining topics. So just packs in general, some talk about tier lists, and then finish up with talking about specifically the cars deck list. So we've talked before about the events that are coming in or are going to be present. We even did earlier in this show, Scott. Is there anything specifically that you're super excited about? Uh, just that there are events at a convention this size and that like you'll be able to see it being played alongside like other games basically like so that it's it, it's you know it's being held by pastimes and and it's gonna have space at the tables like with everything else so right that's what i like about it so yeah i think the fact that there are going to be a lot more eyeballs i mean obviously if you're going to a tabletop convention you have to be at least somewhat invested in tabletop games or or know somebody who's somewhat invested i guess so you're preaching to the choir to some extent but it's a lot different seeing something on the shelf in the store and then seeing a, a bunch of people playing the game and loving it because I've yet to meet anyone who sat down and played this game and didn't walk away and go, okay, I want to go buy some stuff or I need to go find someone to play this with. Yeah, once they put, well, outside the starter, yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, <laughs> yes. So I'm hoping they, the Metroplex experience really is an experience for people because I've seen other people say it, and I agree, I think that's a better starter deck experience than the actual starter deck. It's not great as a, you know, 
learning the flow of the game because Metroplex is so weird, but at the same time, it's still, I feel, much more entertaining <laughs> from a gameplay perspective. Uh, it does a yeah. lot more unique things. You get the whole feel of being a giant city as opposed to the starter deck, which is just kind of, I guess, whatever. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the other things that's come up recently, aside from Metroplex, is there have been a few questions across a number of different groups, and this always comes up, is tier lists. Or in the context of what are the tier one decks, what are the best decks, basically the question, someone just starts and they go, okay, well, what are the, what are the best cards in the game? What is the best deck in the game? That sort of thing. Uh, I remember when I first started playing Magic way back when, that was always the question of, like, my aunt or something. <laughs> Somebody would come, one of my family members would be like, oh, you, you started playing that game. Well, what's your best card? And I would yeah. just look at him like, I don't even really know how to answer that question because I'm going to have to explain all this stuff to you and you don't actually care. So I would just say random things and they would leave me alone about it. Uh, so I know a little bit about how you feel about it, Scott. Do you think at this stage that there's any value in people discussing tier lists or are there tiers that you think are reasonable at this point so i mentioned before if you if you're a regular listener and you really pay attention to things i say um, <laughs> i've mentioned before that i play like a lot of um uh app games like mostly gotcha games um like Final Fantasy type combat games for those that don't know, and there's like you know uh, hero collect hero collectors if you want to call them that, and this issue always comes up all the time there too, because you know, like there's a game with a hundred something heroes, like which are the best, right? And it's like, well, there's multiple different axes that you want to be saying something is the best, one. so it's like an impossible question to answer, of course. Um, but in that situation, the reason why you're asking it and the reason why you want an answer is because it costs you money to get one character versus another, usually, like, or it costs you, like, you know, time and right. resources. I won't get into all the details, but to, in order to invest in a character similar to investing in a deck, you don't want to turn around the next day and realize that there was something better. Of course. Now, I don't believe. The reason why I have an issue with it in card games um, is because I don't believe there is that barrier to making whatever you want. Um, I understand that obviously there's a cost involved in collecting, right? But to me, it, it's um, it's just the entry fee essentially to get into the to the hobby. So if you assume that everybody owns whatever we bought. I know that there's like, you know, convention exclusives and things like that, you know, to right, right. the ability to own three every card and one every bot. But assuming that didn't exist, um, and those cards aren't in every deck anyway, um, to me, you should have the ability to build any deck you want anyway. Right. And that makes sense. And to me, there's no need to like have lists like this because you should be able to turn around and make a different deck anyway, even if you wanted to. But, so, like, I don't know. I, I guess I... I'm so used to tier lists and other mediums that where it's it's actually time or effort that I have to, or money that I have to actually 
choose A over B. And, of course, there's not as much, quote, play skill that comes into play in some of these games. Like, character A is literally just better than character B. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, there's teams you can make where they're better, but in general, like, you can actually compare stats and find out that one is better than another. I don't think that exists as much here. Both from a play skill perspective can help you, quote, jump a tier. Um, as well as I just don't like to me it's not a barrier it's not creating a barrier to entry like oh I'm just going to make every like let's just say there were five decks in tier one like I'm just going to create the five tier one decks like you'd have a whole collection pretty much at that point like you'd be missing you wouldn't be missing very much of anything so like right what would be the point um see I matter I kind of come at it from a different angle and I don't know if this is the way the people that are asking the question look at it. Uh, we had mentioned it a bit when we were talking about Insecticons a few weeks back that to me, the tier list inherently is just a tool. It's not necessarily giving you a whole lot of information outside of, and you and I had spoken about this briefly offline, that it, the, your local meta, what you see, card availability versus personal preferences, that sort of thing, are going to factor in way more until we have, you know, the Cybertronian worlds kind of thing, where it's, okay, everyone's at the level you're talking about. They have a full collection, they can play whatever they want, and then it's them trying to play the meta. To me, ranking the decks is mostly just a, like, slotting them. It's not... One, the difference between one and two right now to me probably is not that big, and therefore it's not that useful. But the difference between one and seven is probably significantly wider. So when you're measuring a new deck or a new idea, a tier list would be useful in that capacity to say, okay, well, these are what are generally the tier one decks, say, Insecticons. I need to be able to have a game plan against them. Now, the a lot of the builds, I think, are kind of obvious right now for the the general purpose. Obviously, people have some really weird lists out there. I've seen them. I've built them. Um, but the point being is that, okay, well, I'm building cars. I'm building Insecticons. I'm building Dinobots. You're going to have generally a cohesive core from one person to the next. So that way you can walk in and say, okay, well, my weird build... I need to run it up against these things. So do you think there's any value along those lines, or you just think the whole the concept as a whole really doesn't work in the for this game? So so you're talking about a testing gauntlet, which is different to me. Well it, because I agree, but at the same time, it, am I running a testing gauntlet against all of my tier two decks? Because that's like a thousand. <laughs> or tier well, three decks. That that's that's the point. Like like mm. if you want to say like, I, there's no empirical evidence to show that, like, why a deck should be in a, a tier one, tier two, like, whatever. That's my issue. Because there's no res- there's no results that are, um, uh, I guess, that matter, quote-unquote. I, I don't know. Like, they, they, there's only local results. Yeah, we don't really have anything significant. The largest event was probably one of ours with 20. That we know of. That's the point. Though. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, that's my thing. Is like I'm not. 
I don't like to put things in, in I don't like to rank things without any kind of criteria. And I get so, that. like, if you want to say that these are the best cards, this is the best, like, these are decks you're, you're likely to see, this is why a deck, like, is good, and, and these are the decks you need to be able to beat, like, that's fine. Um, and I guess we can just, if we want to just call that tier one, that's fine. It's just that I just get, I just get weary of, like, saying one thing is, like, in a certain tier for one reason or another. Like if we want to say like, to me, it's like there's the good tier and there's everything else. Like, I, I guess that's why, like, like you said with the testing gauntlet, like mm-hmm. I know the decks, like the theme decks I want to be able to play against and things like that are things that I've seen at tournaments and make sure they show up. But like, you know, for example, I didn't think that like power of the primes, which we talked about last week was as popular in our local meta as it was at a tournament that we played in. So, right. Like, but if you would have told me that that was a very popular deck, I would have been like, I don't think that's true for XYZ reasons. And, and it wound up being like a decent percentage of the field. So like, right. you know, that I didn't have enough testing it against that. So, you know, I, I, I just don't know that, I, I mean, to be honest with you, like, I don't know that there's, I, I don't want at to, the, at the risk of sounding extremely conceited, um, I don't know if there's anybody better to answer the question about where things belong in certain tiers and pays attention to results as much as I do. And I don't even think I'm qualified to do this yet. Mm-hmm. So I certainly don't think anybody else would be either. And I, I so, would be inclined to agree that, and, and not to inflate your ego, but right. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, as you said, they're, they're just, quantity wise, there's not a whole lot of results to go on. And, somebody posting in a Facebook group or, or me messaging somebody and they say, oh, well, this went 17-0 and against something. Yeah. And the immediate question should be for anybody out there, not not just for us or, or anybody, air quotes, taking it seriously. Okay, I believe you. Who did you play against? What was their list? <laughs> right. How comfortable are they running the other? Because... You know, I have tons of decks that are sitting in my basement right now that I could claim are are crushing Insecticons left and right, but that's only going to matter if I show up in a couple days at PAX and can actually do that. It's a lot different when you're playing at the kitchen table and when you show up and it's somebody you literally don't know or you've never met before. And I, I still think play skill... Like, I, I, I believe... I still believe play skill is more than 50%. Yes. Of, of how a matchup goes. I believe the build is um like like let's just say fifty percent of it is is play skill. Thirty percent of it, thirty-five percent of it is the build, and then the remaining is like just what you draw at a certain time. And like it so is a card game. Say that, <laughs> yeah. So I guess you could kind of I guess you could kind of say it's that's part of deck building also because you're trying to to maximize your chances of you know, getting the hands you need and things like that. But, I get what yeah. you mean, but yeah, there's. let's face it, there's a reason that everyone always pushes for best two of three or three of five or whatever. And yeah. I mean, I was mm-hmm. joking with people at this past weekend's event, you know, given how quick the games can go, let's play, three of, play five of seven because <laughs> yeah. you could theoretically do it. Um, but yeah, it, it's... I guess I agree with your overall sentiment that it's... There's not enough information to really do it, and I'm for me to bring it back to one of your earlier points. 
since you were comparing it to the the uh, you know like the app games where it's a time investment. For me, it's I do find it useful that okay, Insecticons, let's say that is tier part of tier one, and Dinobots mm-hmm. are Empower the Primes or whatever other decks. Real life dictates that I can only test so much against so many things. So I so I want to identify, and that's kind of where I find the use of it. Say, okay, well, I accept that these are tier one, and I can beat two of three of them, or three of five, or or five of six, or one of ten, or whatever. It, that will give me a gauge to say, okay, well, this deck needs to go back in the binder, kind of thing. Yeah, the only other thing I'll add is. Any game I've played that isn't Magic, mm. whatever I thought, and I used to be part of extremely high-powered teams in like WoW and things like that, like whatever percentage, whatever decks we tested against and thought like these were the best decks, still never represented more than like ten percent of a field of a major event. So the the there's a lot there's a lot of people out there that take a lot of pride in in not playing these the the quote best decks and want mm-hmm. to like specifically want to deviate to things that i i guess are meta breakers or whatever you want you want to call it but then all that does is like just shift everything like they don't understand right. that there's like a domino effect to all this so like it it i you would have to basically like it's it's not like every single deck that's there is is 10% of the field either. Like the only time you really see this in effect is like in a magic pro tour and things like that. Where like right. the decks that you expected to show up or that you tested against mostly because of the team aspect of how decks are built and like the, the incestuous nature of it for lack of a better term, right. Right. Of how it turns yeah. out, like um, do things actually come to fruition, but like in a, in a, in a tournament that's non magic, I've always found that like, Whatever, it just never represents a larger, a large enough percentage of the field to 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 lead to like totally lean on your results against only whatever you consider to be the best decks. Just so, right, you know, if that makes any sense. I I get you. I I follow you. I hope everybody out there is understanding as well. If you're not, by all means, hit us up. Our contact information will be in the show notes, but it's also on screen right now. Uh, I think that you've played other games for more recently, so I'm sure. It's, oh yeah, I've seen that for other things also. So. Well, it, it, I think you're right about the the team aspect, and then it's it's a game within the game of oh well, I think everybody's doing this, and yes, it's part of trying to deconstruct the meta and beat the meta, but it's also like you said, it, part of the things that draw people into card games is customization. They want the the deck, the thing, to be theirs. I think in this game, as far as I can tell, the tiers, yes, some decks have good matchups and bad matchups against other things, but I don't think there's a humongous gulf between any given what we'll call tier one deck. So as a result, you could go to an event and it's exactly what you're saying. You're not going to see nine out of every 10 people playing Insecticons you're going to see a bunch of Insecticons and then Cars and then bot, the Dinobots and then Primes and then whatever. and Or like me, playing like three random Transformers because why not? Yeah, but I also think there's the aspect of this game that like because you have a battle deck and you have your team mm. um, 
and I've talked about this before, like just not porting the same 40 cards over to a different bot list, <laughs> but you'll find people that do that. Yes. And that like, it's like, so what is the deck? The battle cards? I would say it's the battle cards and the bots together, but like, it's possible that you could have the exact same battle deck. It'd be hard, but like in two different lists that are yeah. really different from bot perspective. So honestly, I start with that depending on. So I've had lists where because I've been playing a lot of blue heavy decks, so the basis will mostly be the same. I kind of port it over, maybe swap out tribal cards, play it a couple games, and see if okay, well, what does this one really need based on my initial hypothesis? Uh, obviously, over time, it eventually evolves into a different list, but if it's orange or blue, I kind of have a, a baseline in mind for a lot of things. It's probably not a great way to go about it, but it at least gives me, okay, I'll shuffle these 40 together, see where this takes me kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, it, any other thoughts on tiers before we move on i mean i understand why people want it like to me it's like i I really think a lot of it honestly comes from a mentality of like um like dota's and uh on those games there you can have some pretty rigid tiers like right it's you i think that's where i think that's where it comes from i think it comes from like you know but like Nobody says that the aces are better than the kings, that the aces are tier one and the kings are tier two in poker, you know, like, right. that's, that's, that's where I come from with it. Like, so, but I think it comes from like Dota's and first person shooters, like Overwatch and things like that, where like, there's a difference in the characters you have to choose and, and their skill that you have to, like, you know, I have to get good with this character and things like that. So I think that's where this all comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, cause to me, even when I played competitive magic, it was never like discussed in this way. Right. Um, it was later, but like, it was more just, I guess, metagame discussion than it was like a specific putting things in a compartmentals. Like, right. Tiers, but, yeah. I, um, I understand why people want to, but I think there's also something about people in general. Everybody likes lists. So it's nice yeah, yeah, to have yeah. a list and then you can yeah, talk yeah. about it, which, uh, yeah, that's fine. Speaking of lists. So, <laughs> uh, Sweet segue. Uh, we're going to jump into cars a little bit, unless there was any other thoughts you wanted to throw in there. Um, this list was no, actually... No, it's fine. Okay. Uh, this list was actually provided to me by you, Scott, because as I've said a few... I think I've said it on the show before, but I definitely have mentioned it to people in real life. I ended up with, I think... So I initially bought three boxes... I was gifted two because my birthday was around uh, time of release. I opened two, two Star Trek engines and about 5,000, <laughs> 5,000 team up tactics, give or take a few. <laughs> so I didn't, I mean, I proxied up cars, but it was, well, I have the physical cards. Like I have enough dino chops, I'm going to play dino bots. Or I'm, I have enough whatevers, I'm going to play this other thing. So I never really got into cars. Um, but I lost to it this past weekend. And funny story, Wheeljack, I thought he was good before, but when he hit me for 19, it was pretty impressive. <laughs> yep. Because it was like bold, it was like Dinobots levels of bold with what my opponent had done. So... Is this your base list? Do you want to take us through what we're looking at here, Scott? Uh, so this is my like 
I guess you could call it like my advanced list because uh, it, oh. it has grown over it changed over time. Um, it's not uh, it's not the typical build that I think you would find most people using. Like, there's no superchargers. There's no it's it's not it's not dino cars. Like, it's not port over the dino list and use right. car cards where the dino cards would be. Um, yeah, there definitely are some quirks in here that I think people out there. I mean, they're they stand out, but I don't want to jump right to them. So, yeah. give us the give us the overview, and then we'll get into the specifics. Um, I mean, it's it's I, I those that listen to this like it, there's there's five direct damage cards in this on purpose because I use I always try to fit in direct damage. Um, there's there's two transform cards. I like you know there's no rabbit conversion here, which people mostly would be used to be seeing. Um, there's decent, I think there's like nine weapons in there to, which is more than enough I find to turn on, um, the wheeljack ability. Right. Um, it's your, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically trying to do something that's like unfair in the game, which is get more attacks than your opponent. Um, and the, the really powerful thing it can do is if you, if you normally, if you draw like two untap effects through a round, you will get that final turn or like steal that final turn if you went first. And typically your opponent would have that final turn even if it's three bots each. I but I've even stolen the final turn from like a four wide list also because you you just have more guys on tap. So basically like That's pretty mean. Yeah, you wind up with like um uh, like a a bigger turn at the end than than your opponent can usually deal with. Um that's the that's the power of the deck. Um, it, I won't lie; it's it's a difficult deck to play because your 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 guys are not as um, they're not fragile, but they're not they're not forgiving to mistakes because you don't have four characters. Yeah, um, they typically have one defense, like Bumblebee and Wheeljack only have one defense in bot mode, and I think Bumblebee has one defense in both modes. Um, so even though he, he seems like he, he has like a planes type stat line, like, like right. one defense and a crap load of hit points, but that's never good um, yeah. <laughs> for surviving big hits. Absolutely. Uh, he's right. One big hit, but not two. Um, a lot of it comes down to how you play the deck, to be honest with you, because I've seen people both in videos and, and you can watch some wreck and roll videos where I've, I, Brian will mention how I, talk to him offline about how to play the deck and he played it differently in, in subsequent videos. But um, a lot of it comes down to how you play and how you set yourself up to draw outs. Um, because who you attack with, who you attack against um, is extremely important in this deck because of the fact that you can untap. means that somebody that you left out, you dangled out there to get Attack doesn't necessarily mean it's they're going to even get multiple attacks against them, which is right extremely different than any other deck because typically, like the first guy you attack with in the turn is, has the ability to be attacked X number of times. Right um, here, you're typically not even leaving guys vulnerable for that. Yeah, it's a wildly different play pattern compared to other lists. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't leave them to dangle out there that long because they can't take very many hits, and even in this list. Where I have, I guess you could, like, a little bit more blue than, like, usual. It's still not much. Um, 
So um, it's still mostly like a heavy, heavy orange deck. Right. Um, yeah, you can I still have, put a hurt on people. Yeah, I mean, I have had Prowl get up to four defense in a, in, and actually survive a hit he wasn't supposed to survive and things like that. But you want to make, like, all your bots are important. Um, Prowl is way more important than he seems, especially on the start your engine's turns um, or that final turn of the game if he's still able to um, be able to flip to his bot, uh, alt mode. He can give multiple guys bold too, which is just huge. Yeah, final turn. Um, but what I will say is, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I don't know if I've stated it on the podcast um, explicitly. But one of the ways to win in this in Transformers is to quote make your opponent play seal deck while you're playing constructed. Mm-hmm. So what I mean is like if I don't draw the cards that are actually important to my strategy because I only draw three cards turn. I mean, three cards to start the game and then one card to turn. Like, if I draw a bunch of cards that are not significant to advancing my board position because... Or they're, they're the generic cards that every deck can run. I'm not talking about, like, like Energon Axe and, and Grenade Launcher and things like that. But the point is, like, if I don't draw the cards that make my deck unique and different compared to yours, and you draw yours... Yeah, you're just running stats into or against stats. Right. Like, if Dinobots draws all its Dino Chomps and draws a steel and things like that that make that deck, like, work, and all I draw are, like, uh, Peace for Tyranny or Incoming Transmission, even, like, Rollout or, like... Zaps, treasure hunts, like all the like. I don't draw the cards that allow my guys to untap. Mm. You're not going to win because your guys are just not as good as theirs are. Right at a base. So that's level. why I play. Yeah, that's why I find it to be a and and one of the more difficult parts of the deck, and and one of the best parts of the deck is like making sure you're using that wheeljack ability to sift through your deck like as often as possible. Like if not like every turn, if possible. Like right, which means you have to do. There's a lot of order of operations things you have to do. Um, to make sure you're getting that ability off. That obviously is a more difficult ability to use because you're not actually just purely drawing cards, you're drawing and discarding, so you have to know what's important at all at all phases of the game, right. not just what's important like this turn. So it's a difficult deck to play. Um, I will say it, it has weaknesses, but we can get into that. Um, but I think it has tremendous strengths, especially when it like to me it has the it has the best like nut draws you can have really over some of the other decks i mean if you draw correctly you can do things like kill guys that you're not supposed to be able to kill with bumblebee or it still have a huge heavy hitter in in wheeljack and like have a third character that's not insignificant unlike a lot of other decks like the fact that bumblebee can kill a guy that he's not supposed to be able to kill right. um, pretty easily, to be honest with you. Like, like, um, I built this list to take advantage of that as best as possible. Like, if you think about it logically, like, if you go, let's just say you go first, and you're playing against Dinobots. Mm-hmm. So, Bumblebee attacks Grimlock, transform to alt mode, I mean, to bot mode, attack Grimlock. So, you're a five going against a five base power going against two base defense. Right. You have a bunch of oranges in your deck. Like you, you should average one per flip. So 
you're a seven and let's just say they're the let's just say they're the aggro list so they don't they don't get it you know any defense so you do five so they have seven left if you nut draw and then you go okay turn two uh transform prow to bot mode start your engines flip uh bumblebee to alt mode prow to alt mode now it gives bold two to all my cars which bumblebee is now oh and uh for my upgrade i'll put grenade launcher so now i'm in or or even or energon axe because again he was out there to be damaged right um if it was uh grenade launcher then we're at what eight bold two so now we're talking about like easily 10 to 12 damage coming in on that same Grimlock again, who he likely did not attack with that Grimlock and thought he was protected. Um, and now you just killed a character. They lost an attack for the turn and you probably only took like six or seven max on the Bumblebee who can still be around. Even if he dies at that point, it, it's not relevant. I'll, I would take that trade. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think that's part of, I think that, I think, I think using Bumblebee as the sacrificial lamb, but he did his job, which was to kill what I consider to be a more dangerous threat, I think is another part that people are hesitant to understand. Like, right. I, like, I would watch games where people play cards stages of, of um, when the game came out, and like their first move was always, I'll just attack with Prowl, because he's my worst guy. Like, I think a lot of people do that no matter what the deck is. Right. I just attack my worst guy. And it's like, well, you have a character who's his whole point is like to be able to attack guys that you can't normally attack. Like mm. I can't tell you I can't tell you the number of times I've ever won a game where his other ability in bot move where he was the last guy alive and got plus two plus two was at all relevant. <laughs> um because normally he just dies in one hit from there anyway. So Right, right. Yeah, so, I, was, I was curious to I, see. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I mean it's a it's it's a hard deck to play. Like I won't. I make mistakes with it constantly, and I've played it for like a month and a half now. So it it definitely can seem that way, and it's something even from the outside looking in. I hope people look at this list and hear what Scott's saying and come to the same conclusion right away. If you weren't already there, that this isn't just transform my one guy, load him up, get in there. Uh, because you have those opportunities for plays where, well, it's exactly what you said a few minutes ago. No other deck allows you to do the untapping thing and allow you to get these multiple uses out of these characters, which is, I could see why somebody is leading off with Prowl, because if you've been playing a bunch of other decks, okay, well, my big hitter is only going to get one swing. i got to make sure I maximize it. I want to draw extra cards, load them up. In this scenario, you could always retrieve that guy and get in again before everything cycles. And I agree with you that you it, the deck needs to be able to abuse that or kind of, why, why are you playing this instead of something else if your guy's stat line is weaker overall? Yeah, the more, and the more guys you have alive, the more wheeljack activations you're going to get. And throughout the course of the game... The more wheeljack activations you get, the more you're more likely you are to win. Um, also, by having more guys untapped at the end, you can use peace for tyranny for its actual effect. <laughs> Actually, play the card. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and have like 
extremely blowout turns because you get two turns in a row. So like now suddenly you're in a situation where your entire team has the Bumblebee ability because you 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 swing the tempo back to have the what I'm what I've coined like turn zero like the you can attack whoever you want right turn where your opponent was going to have it so they were going to be able to dictate who you were going to have to attack now suddenly you swung that back because you sacrificed one of your tapped guys any one of them I don't care in order to get one or two attacks more efficiently at who you wanted to attack. I've won many games through actually casting Peace or Tyranny as for Interesting. Story, so. Yeah, controlling those turns is crucial regardless of what you're playing, but I could definitely see here where it's... if It may not literally be the focus of the deck, but it's about as close as it gets is controlling those wheel turns where yep. you end up deciding everything yourself. Mm-hmm. So I guess... It, Unless you want to go into something specific, I kind of have to ask the obvious question that I'm sure a bunch of people out there listening. Do you see any potential for this to go four wide with Cliff Jumper as opposed to staying with these three? Or I'm assuming I know the answer. These are obviously the best three for Carless. Uh, the other decks play too fairly. This is the way that you can do all unfair things. With Bumblebee, unfair things with Prowl, right, and unfair things with Wheeljack. Like there, there's no substitute. Like I don't. To me, there's no substitute for. There's absolutely no substitute for Wheeljack, and and honestly, there's no substitute for Wheeljack. The other two, technically, yeah. if better cards at that star point existed, I mean, Bumblebee still does unfair things with being able to attack whoever right. you want. Prowl um, is good, but feels replaceable. They're both technically like both their stats are not good, so that's mm-hmm. why the deck becomes extremely hand dependent. Whereas like uh, Wheeljack is a five bold three ninety nine percent of the time when he's ready to attack. Like, right. Um. Uh, that's insane for nine stars. Like like in bot mode and allows you to sift the deck in in alt mode. So like he's not replaceable. Um, technically, if they were like better cars, I feel like the other two. Uh, even though, like, I I laid out a scenario where Bumblebee was obviously insane, the deck is extremely draw dependent to get you to that point. And I just feel like, from a synergistic perspective, to get to the twenty five stars, this is what you want to do. But like, Wheeljack to me is unreplaceable. The other two are technically replaceable. I just haven't found. I don't see any reason that you wouldn't run these two, and Bumblebee allows you to do really unfair things if you get the right draw. Right. And allows you to still dangle somebody out there on the turn zero that is... I, I don't... I actually don't think there's any way he can... I, I don't think there's a way he can actually die. I guess technically, right. like... I guess technically if Prime puts some kind of weapon on him and flips a combat adder, he could take 16 in one turn, but it's extremely difficult. I don't even... Because you, you'd have to have Grenade Launcher and then Leap is the next biggest, so that only gets you to... That's 15. only 15, so yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't... I agree with you. I don't think there's any way that he can eat it in one shot on turn one. And then there's a high likelihood that you can just untap. Right. And then you're six on tap effects. Yeah. So... So that's the thing. Like, is there a better... 10 star like currently I can't imagine one but 
obviously. I mean, like, Grimlock's a better card, but it's not in on theme, and I, I mm. have thought about that that doesn't matter, but, like, because 10 star characters seem to have all these, like, unique abilities, like Jetfire, right. Grimlock, Bumblebee, like, 10 stars seem to be, like, a sweet spot to get, like, these cool combat abilities. But, yeah, yeah. So to me, the only character that's irreplaceable is Wheeljack. The other two are just the best way that you can make up 16 stars on theme to make to take it as best advantage of the other cards. And that's reasonable. I uh, It's funny how strong Wheeljack is, because I've tried <laughs> to include him in a lot of other things. Um, because, like you said, bolt, 5 bolt 3 is pretty good. And... Uh, it, I, it's interesting that you say you thought about actually potentially replacing one of the other two, maybe only doing two cars to, to try and do it, because that's an intriguing idea, but maybe one for another day before we get too far into the digression off of cars. So you had mentioned earlier about matchups for this deck. So what are the predators for this, and what is this deck's prey that you feel are... What are the good matchups and what are the bad matchups for this? Um, I've had good matches with Insecticons. I know other people have found different results, but I, so I think it might just come down to play skill. But like, I find Insecticons to be a good matchup, like especially. I could see that. Like, it seems reasonable when you say that. Because you you only need like the scenario I laid out with killing the Grimlock. Like, you only need to do that. Um. Uh you don't need as much to kill one of their untapped guys. Like, right. It's simple. Um, you kill the bug man. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you draw any of your weapons, um, and it's, like, in, especially if you draw starter engines and do the prowl thing to give to give the bolt two and a weapon. Uh-huh. So, like, your axe will make you seven bold two. Your green launcher obviously makes you eight bold two as a car. But even if you just draw turbo boosters and you wind up having to use two transform effects in the first two turns, you're still a five base attack. Right. Um, you may you probably aren't gonna attack right away. Um you'll you'll just you may not even do it right right there and then. But like there are like if you use turbo boosters as long as you don't have to go like fish for it with um treasure hunt, like a one shall stand, one shall fall on prowl who has an attack. Because Bulby's usually your first tagger, and a turbo boosters on turn two on your second attack, like that's essentially five. That's essentially eight bold. That's essentially eight plus a combat draw against whoever you right. want. Again, that's the difference. Is with Bumblebee, you don't care. Like you're, you're not worried about attacking the only guy you're able to. You attack whoever you want. So, right. so the direct damage becomes like much more of an important factor. Right. Um. So I've certainly swung the tempo back against um, Insecticons because this is the one deck where, like, the ransack thing that we've talked about before becomes a liability. Like, you leave them no good attacks on the second or third turn, and mm-hmm. that's how you win the game. So, like, if you don't have anybody out there damaged, Barrage is not as good of an attacker. If Ransack isn't damaged, which he shouldn't be because you get to basically choose who you want, um you get to uh, attack wherever you want. If this deck has enough direct damage to just kill Shrapnel in one attack and a one-shell stand or two attacks and a zap or something like that. So, like, you're running enough 
to get around his like I have to attack him three times. Yeah, and Bumblebee oh, gets around him anyway. So like again, if, if you draw well, which and by well I just mean like you draw some of your a couple, like even just one or two attack on tap effects early on, uh, you should be fine against Insecticons that I find. Right. Um, they can of course like just do a, a tremendous amount of damage to you and things like that. But like as long as you draw, if you both draw decently, I think it's in your favor. And it sounds reasonable the way you're laying it out, and from the outside looking in, again, not having played as cars and only played against it with wildly other different decks and only a handful of times, it it logically makes sense what you're saying. Wheeljack and Bumblebee seem sturdy enough to soak enough hits and then combined with untap effects so that you can mess with their combat math that you'll actually be able to get there. Um... So if Insecticons, you're calling it a good matchup, I know you were saying from the the first case tournament that we had both gone to, is Power of the Primes this the nightmare matchup for this, or, or Heavy Blue Decks nightmares for this? The way it's currently built, yes. Um, there are certain changes I need to make to the deck in order to combat that, um, which I plan to make before this weekend. I don't know that I'm going to run the deck at PAX, but like... I want to have a, a version that's at least like more ready to go. Right, right. Um, anticipating that, um, because your guy, because your bot's stats are so initially low, you're so dependent on. You're really dependent on Energon Axe, to be honest with you. Um, right. And you're you're dependent on it actually being able to get on there because this is the best Energon Axe deck because you untap obviously so. The, the the downside of Energon Axe having to attach to a to a damaged guy means that typically you're attaching it to a guy during the second full round of combat to get advantage. I've talked in the past about how to use Sludge to 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 put it on him early, but in general, this is the best deck that because you're going to get an attack because you're untapped with an Energon Axe fully operational. So like this to me is the best Energon Axe deck. If you draw it, it's exactly what you need against um, the heavy armor primes decks because you need a permanent, preferably a permanent plus three at all times. Like obviously yeah. you'll take grenade launcher, but you would have to draw one the second time because all your attacks are not doing full damage because of how much blue they're running. Of course, um, you'll notice in the list like I don't have armor removal, so that was a problem at the tournament. That that that's going to have to change. Um, that was a big issue. Like the deck wins by getting more attacks than your opponent. It does not win by getting larger attacks than your opponent. It is not right. bold Dinobots. It is not. Um, it's it's similar to Insecticons, where they're trying to get more efficient attacks than your opponent, and that's how they win. This is the same thing. You're trying to get more by like the number, pure number of efficient attacks than your opponent to win. That's what all the untapping effects are for. But if all those attacks are not actually getting any damage through because of armor and because of the amount of blues and things like that, you're it's hard to win. Right. So it's hard to win if you I, do literally zero damage. <laughs> right. Right. So and unfortunately inevitability lies with them because a powerful um Nemesis and Optimus are or and and to be honest with you, how powerful those two guys are in a well built deck, even if they're not just the two bots like can be a well-built nemesis deck or a well-built optimist deck like if you can't get them off the table because of the same exact reasons 
um, the plethora of blues and armor and things like that, um, it's going to be a long day for you because you're making more attacks, but they're all like two and three damage packets, and you, right. even your direct damage can't make that up because of the large hit points. Yeah, and that logically makes sense. Again, same sort of thing where having not played it, but the it stands. The, the reasoning is sound. We'll put it that way. Uh, I do appreciate since it just came up on screen the uh, the misers. I still function. Is that something that you're just putting in a lot of lists as your fortieth card, or is it specifically for those wheeljack pulls if your opponent manages to get them early? There's a there's a misers matrix too. I know, but the matrix, <laughs> the matrix at least you know you can go. Oh well, it shores up the math a little bit on each end, but. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why the I still function strikes me, but it, I like that it's in there. It's on. Um, I'm seeing it. It allows you to. Go ahead. It allows you to change how you're playing the game. So like, oh, I yeah. know people just want to put I still function in every single deck, period, and they want to put it in every single deck that has guys with twelve or less stars. Um, but really, I, I mentioned this before, another podcast. You don't want I still function to just be a ready for action. Right. right, because this deck already has six better ready for actions in it. Um, ones that either flip all your guys or give you plus one attack. Um, you don't want to be in a situation where I still function is just another ready for action. Right. Um, but what it allows you to do is it, it's not great on. I mean, it's actually Bumblebee is actually the worst character um, because he rarely can like. I still function, flip to car mode, and attack like somebody that's untapped. You're just not going to have situations. The situations just don't seem to come up like that. But I guess I can see where that would be the best situation to use. Somehow attack somebody that you want to kill that's um, still untapped. Right. Like, Prow is actually a fine target, especially if the other two are still alive, because you can easily get the bold two across the board right. through it and, and get a minor, minor attack on him. Um, so especially if it's that last turn where all your guys are on tap, you definitely want to do it in that situation. I gotcha. Um, especially if you're going to be like the, the super miser piece through tyranny turn one, and then <laughs> I still function him back on the extra turn. Well, if we're going to live the dream. Turn. I feel like I, I don't think I, I've ever done that, but, yeah. um, the, the main reason why, I mean, and I, I think this deck needs one of the main reason why I like one of in this deck is because of how powerful Jack is. Um, I, yeah. Well, you can go just, find things more effectively, I think, than some other decks. Yeah, I mean, there's no treasure hunt for abilities, or else, obviously, more decks would be oh, yeah. would have one of. But I do find that the wheeljack ability and incoming transmission like really smooth out your um tremendously. Um, and that's you obviously want every game to play out as best as possible, and that that's what that allows, right? Um, but what it really does, and I lost the game at the tournament because of the because it wound up getting discarded from my hand. But what it allows you to do is be more aggressive with Wheeljack because he's going to usually take two hits to kill, two good hits to kill. Um, in a typical game where you don't draw a piece, or I mean, uh, I still function. He's the last bot to die because he's your most important uh, finisher. Um, but what it, what having an I still function early in the game allows you to do and in your hand is you can use him more aggressively. So, like, I've had games where my opponent goes first, and I flip a weapon on defense, and now it's like, oh, well, I can just straight out attack with Wheeljack on turn one. 
Um, but that what that means is that he's probably going to get killed over the course of the game, right. relatively early. Um, now, obviously, you can get lucky with start your engines or um, turbo boosters and, and, and untap him, right? Which is obviously the dream. So, basically, in that situation, what I still function is is an additional one of those. I got gotcha. you. Um, if if Wheeljack gets killed, so it allows you to be more aggressive with your five bold three character, um, which means you can get a lot of damage out there with him. Um, but I don't think you ever want to have more than one in a game, so that's why. I'll- that makes There's sense. only one Matrix in the deck because Turbo Boosters is way more important to the deck. So um, it's just an additional it's utility. Um, uh, what else is in the deck? Treasure Hunt is very important to go get your... Um, it's most important because you're because you're so dependent on getting uh, Turbo Boosters. Right. It's essentially um, playing, and we had this conversation with uh, somebody at the event this weekend. you it allows you to sort of play six turbo boosters. Yeah. Or in this particular case, I guess it would be one of your outs for playing against heavy blue builds. That way you can go dig for energon axes or dig for, you know, whatever grenade launchers, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Or dig for some misers, like upgrades I plan to put in later. Well, that was going to be one of my questions. I didn't <laughs> want to give you, have you give away all your secrets. I posted a, um, a rare Megatron list in one of the groups the other day because somebody was asking about it, and that's kind of... I mean, he lets you do it in a different fashion, but Treasure Hunt does the same sort of thing where you can go find these pieces that you may not have normally been able to, and you can get away with playing one or two rather than your full set, especially because Wheeljack also gives you a little bit of redundancy in that dig. Yeah, like... Um... Four cards in this game is 10% of your deck. Yep. So, and if you already haven't seen a, a copy, like, it's obviously going to be much better. So, right. it's a much bigger percentage than people are used to to having in, in games. Um, well, for you Magic players out there, if you want to throw it back to, like, Mirage Block, I think it was Vision's Impulse when that was all the rage. I don't know if there's still effects like that, but that was one of the things that came to mind when I saw this card, except it isn't really at all the same sort of effect. It was just the dig four kind of thing. Um, but this allows you to keep everything you draw as yep. well as... So you combine this with getting a improvised shield and then you next turn um, incoming transmission, the shield to the top of the deck, for example. So yep. there's a lot of... Again, this is why you always have to plan the turns out. Um, uh, you Obviously, you get a turbo boosters. You put it on a guy. You get to use the wheeljack ability. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you can put a weapon in your yard that you didn't used to have one in there before because you chose to put um, turbo boosters down instead of a weapon, for example. So there's a lot of... There's a lot... You have to be aware of, like, all th- like all your zones and all your order of operations at all times with this deck. Yeah, it's definitely... <laughs> both as you're explaining it and as I think about it and then the few times I've watched people play it, it's... I can follow what's happening. I can picture what people are going for. I don't think I could ever myself play this deck because after a round or two, my brain would turn into mush and then I would never be able to do it more than one or two rounds. By the third, fourth, fifth round or more, I would not be playing the deck. It would just be turning things sideways and figuring it out. I I don't think I'd be able to yeah, do it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of gameplay that has to go on and there's a lot of... there's. I haven't played another deck that has this many decisions points, especially because of the wheeljack ability. 
Right. So knowing when to flip, and then the bumble ability as well. Right. So you did mention it, if you hit the untap effects and you hit the car cards, the thing that actually makes it a card deck, and you get these wild draws, these wild hands that let you blow somebody out, be like, okay, we'll just blow up your Grimlock or blow up your whatever. Do you feel that you get enough of an edge given the effort involved? So you, you mentioned multiple times that there are a lot of decision points, that there's a lot of things that you need to keep track of as you're playing the game. Is the effort justified or should would it make more sense to just play a simpler deck and get 90% of the effectiveness, if you know what I mean? Uh, no, you should play the best deck and just make all the right plays. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, if you will always play perfectly all the time, yes, then, yeah, in the, in the perfect world, you want to play the best thing, but do you think that you are... I guess the better way to rephrase the question is, is this the best because it allows for those decisions, or is it only on the same tier as those other decks if you make all the right decisions? It's on the same tier as those other decks if you draw the cards you need. Like, if you draw start your engines in your first four cards, you should win. I don't think there's another... I don't know of another like I have I don't think I've ever lost a game I've started first four cards. Okay. Um because it means I'm getting a I'm at minimum getting a four bolt to attack against whoever I want on turn two, and likely it's going to be the same target that I attacked on turn. Right. So no other deck can do that. Because no other deck can choose where it wants to attack by using like I don't think there's a way to. Um, on any turn besides turn zero, right? Um, so if you have that, if you have that, then um, that's where it, no other deck can steal an attack from your opponent, unless you, I guess, prime can. But like, like you have wow. to be able to, like it's 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 difficult. Like you have to draw a tremendous amount of damage to kill a character before they can attack. And Bumblebee's the only character that actually allows you to do that through attacking, which is always going to be more efficient than just throwing three one-shot stay and one-shot falls against the nine-health guy. Obviously, in that situation, you'd also kill the guy before they got to attack, but that takes up three different action phases. Exactly. But getting a... Even if he... Even if with no like, adders, just getting a four attack plus all the direct damage usually can get done through him. So, like... When you draw start your engines, it just means you're going to be where you want at least once. And if you combine that with any weapon, any utility that's there, even if you just use turbo boosters, the math can be on your side to just kill somebody that you they weren't expecting you to be able to kill. And that's where it's right. huge. And that makes so sense. that's why I think that it does the most unfair things you can do. I, besides Prime. Like, Prime by himself, I think, does a lot of unfair things. Right. Um, well, I, yeah. <laughs> but but in terms of, like, a, a cohesive deck drawing well and doing unfair, it's hard to beat what this deck can do, which is untapping, which is a sub-theme. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's on a it's on, on a card. It's not something that, like, I know if people think it's, like, quote, like, a broken thing, but, like, it's, if it's on a common card, it's something they the designers expected to happen. It's just that 
you have the redundancy here of of having it being on other cards that you would want to play anyway. Like you want to play right. Like compare tandem targeting computer to, to turbo boosters. There's no comparison, right? Yeah. <laughs> At all. Um, yeah. They- <laughs> It, it, I laugh because it, it's quite literally laughable. Yeah, they, they're yeah. just not even in. They're barely playing the same game. I mean, Starter Engines is a rollout and then ready for action put together. Like, uh, both those cards see see play in powerful decks. Right. You're combining both things into one and giving it a. I mean, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> um. It's, I guess it depends on who you ask. <laughs> the cars right. seem to think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, compared to Hunger Down, like it's better than Hunger Down, obviously. Yes, I I think it's funny you say. So I think untapping is more powerful, but I personally like Hunker Down because putting reinforced plating on something. It, it, and again, I've been playing a lot of blue heavy decks, but putting a free reinforced plating on something is pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, but this is just better. Oh, yeah. Well, I think untapping is more powerful, and right now, let's face it, tanks are, uh, they're leaving much to be desired from the actual character perspective. I mean, if two two of the other decks with Dinobots and I essentially get the same effect that you're getting on six different cars that's the theme of your deck with ways to sift to get it and specifically playing search cards to go find it. Like, I, I mean, I obviously there's different, it's obviously very good with like ransack, very good with kickback. Like you're, but I mean, ultimately aren't you really just, I know you're bringing a guy back from the scrap pile or dead pile, whatever you want to call, but you're doing what you're doing almost every turn, which is getting an extra attack out of a guy that you want with. Yeah. That's essentially what I still function doing, and you're basically playing seven of them. Seems, seems totally fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's totally okay. Nobody worry about it. You have to do a lot to set that up, and unfortunately with a, with, a, with only a four-hand scheme, if you don't see those any of these abilities in your opening hand it's going to be an extremely uphill battle especially if you don't draw like force field in your opening hand and things like that because like if your first turn and you're going second is like i put force field on a on a guy and transform him and attack like that's fine because you basically just sifted a card with wheeljack and you got to attack with a guy and he's not vulnerable to death unless they take away the force field but that forces them to have a card back Right. Like even in that situation, you can buy time with the sifting ability to set yourself up future. That's why the deck, to me, is powerful. Like, even if you don't draw the cards in your opening hand, you draw, you see more of your deck than than any other. Well, maybe not any other deck, but like not more than Prime. That's again, that's the point. Yeah, but more cards cross your hand, which in this game, given how many cards you flip and how easy it is to end up with things in the scrap pile instead of being played. It, that that is a very important point, and that's why myself and others feel like Wheeljack is to Cliff Jumper is because drawing extra cards in this game, you're still limited to the number of things you can actually turn. So you can end the game with six cards in hand, and those, it didn't mean anything. All you really did by having all those extra cards in your hand was play the most efficient card every single turn. 
Yeah, which you're is increasing exactly what Wheeljack quality. allows you to do. Right. Hmm? You're increasing quality of your actual plays over time. Which is exactly what Wheeljack does. Yep. And yes, you may run out of cards. Um, and you may never run out of cards playing Cliff instead. But his the chance of you improving the quality at all times. And and like you ha- he's five bold three. Like you really can't argue with that stat line at all. Right. He basically for, for a nine drop. <laughs> he has Cliff Jumper's ability without requiring any of your guys to be dead. Yeah. Because Cliff, exactly. he's, how yeah. big is Cliff Jumper ever going to be? He's going to be, I think he's base five. Seven, I guess. Seven, I guess. Yeah, either seven or eight, something like that. So, okay, well, I'll just be Wheeljack and be eight right now. Exactly. Like, like right now, not not five turns from now, right now. <laughs> right, at all times, and then like, oh, I got to attack with him three times this round. Yeah. <laughs> Seems fair. So... so I'm really biased because this is the deck I've been playing since day one. I played mm-hmm. it a lot, and like obviously I haven't won every single event I've gone to mm-hmm. um, because the deck, like I said, I can't tell you the number of times in my opening hand, both Peace or Tyranny and Improvised Shield in it, which <laughs> don't do a whole lot. Believe me, I've had those. Have any transmission in it, but you know, right? Um, well, let me ask. Like you. I just feel like oh, when it's on all when when it's when when it's on all cylinders, I I feel like it's it's. It's, if it's not the best deck, it's definitely one of the best decks. So let me ask you this then. I got two other questions, or two more, depending on how this goes. But you've mentioned more than a few times that not seeing one of your untap effects is crippling. But you've also mentioned on other shows how much you dislike Ready for Action now. Have you considered yes. going to nine untap effects with that? No, because it has no pips. So it only helps mm. you 48% of the Right. You know, if you played a playset of percent, the eye still function has that has the slot that I would run the one ready for action. And I can definitely understand that. Uh, you can run it as a one of if you can find it. it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's specifically that turbo boosters gives you plus, which allows Bumblebee to be five attack in both modes. Which math wise, I can't tell you the number of times I've killed. Uh, like a barrage or a kickback for exact damage. Like you have to also know exactly how much damage you're dealing at all times, right? Um, which is key. Um, so the plus one attack on turbo boosters is not irrelevant, and obviously certain engines is insane. So like, and has a blue pip. So like, that's coming to play before also. So of course, ready for action. The fact that it has no pips and it's only doing one of the thing. Like every every other card there is doing things. That- Ready for action is only doing one, so yeah, that makes sense. It was more to, obviously for the well, it's basically the only other option you got. So if you really want more on tap effects, what else are you going to do? Sort of thing. Um, if I really didn't, if I really didn't believe that, um, like rollout by itself does, like I can't tell you the number of times I've just pitched it to wheel. Like that's probably the worst card in the deck because unless you also draw a turbo boosters, um, or uh, like you set up a turn with Prowl on one of your guys, like it's not as like it doesn't do a whole lot on its. Own. It always needs another, usually another card out of your hand to combo with it. So like that's probably like the worst one of the worst cards in the deck. But like if instead of getting starter engines, you get 
roll out turbo boosters, you're essentially getting a starter. So right, makes sense. Uh, so the other question I wanted to ask you because you had mentioned how insane the deck can be when, it, and this is a pure speculation, hypothetical. You talk about how crazy the deck can get if you hit the cards you need. Do you feel that the design team thought maybe this is the reason to not have a mulligan? Uh, it's possible. Um, is it that, in all seriousness, is it that powerful that if you had a mulligan so that you could go, you know, just a free one, shuffle it back in, draw three new ones to go find starter engines? I've never watched a game where I didn't have starter engines. So, like, like where I had starter engines on turn two. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I'm going first, if I went first... And in my four, I guess at that point, five cards, I had starter engines. I, I've won every game. Okay. Um, so I, I would argue, yeah, that, that's, it's possible. Um, I mean, obviously, there's, I'm, other, there, there's other decks that it, that, that's for also, but oh, I'm, I can see absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those that I'm sure they will never let on, whether that's the case. But these, in listening to you describe it, 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 that was the obvious thought of, okay, well, if it's that nuts when it hits it, maybe they drop the power level a little bit due to the inconsistency or via inconsistency. And what I want people to understand is, I know it sounds like I'm talking about some complicated combo deck, and like, yeah, if you fight, you're going to win like every single history of whatever, but I'm really only talking about if you draw like one of 12 different cards in your deck an untap effect and a weapon like it's it's not that hard to like get these little mini combos i guess you would call them off with right. all the card draw and sitting that you have in the deck so like i know it may sound like we're trying to put together some like i mean one of the complicated combos i can't lose is just draw start your engines yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. A, there is a lot of redundancy in the build. So yeah, it's not you're not playing. Well, I could list off breakfast cereals that were combo decks at some point, but uh, right, the it as you said, it does have a lot more decision points than your typical decks. So do you have a? You've talked about in a lot of your articles before actually having a script, and it sounds like most of the time it's get in with Bumblebee first, try and see if you can set up some on tap very quickly, and then crush one of their guys. Do you have something lined up? Does it vary game to game, or are you sticking to the script with this list most of the time? As long as your opening four has any one of starter engines, turbo boosters, or treasure hunt, I'm getting you in there. I'm transforming Bumblebee and attacking with him. Um... Treasure Hunt, to me, is enough safety to go get Turbo Boosters where I can leave the Bumblebee out there to take the one attack and then try to, like, go find... If he if he didn't take a whole damage, he didn't either a couple blue, like a blue or two, or um, he just has the ability to take two more hits, it's not as desperate as, like, oh my god, I have to go get Turbo Boosters. Right. Um, and that situation also is not ideal. Like, you're basically just using Turbo Boosters as a ready for action and plus one attack, but you're not actually going to be attacking with Bumblebee again because you don't want to dangle him out there because five attack may not be enough to actually... Because you'll notice there's no like leap, leap into battle in the deck. Yes. So like there's no... And there's no supercharge. So there's no 
or I guess technically the bigger they are. Like, and there's no combat actions. It's only just untapping actions and direct damage. Right. So, um, I guess if you got one shot stand, one shot fall, and you well, you wouldn't be able to play it because you had to trigger on. So that's that's the like you can set that up. Though. You can set up a guaranteed kill next turn with one shot stand. Right. Or or even zap um, in certain situations. So like again, that's the other like you can't be afraid with Bumblebee may die in that second hit, but again, if you have one shell stand, one shell fall, he probably killed a better character. Right. Throughout the course of that. So makes sense. It shouldn't matter much. So yeah, my typical script is as long as I have any one of three cards, um, it's to attack with Bumblebee first. Games I've lost are obviously where I don't have any one of those three cards in my opening any one of the nine cards in my deck in my opening four. Where Which I, is or a pretty five. significant percentage. <laughs> like, yeah. You, odds are against you whiffing on that. Yeah, I don't like to leave. I, I oh, And in other games like that, I've had to dangle out Prow, and he had one shot. Then right. Grenade launcher leap into battle attack with him. Well, everybody is trying to target taking down kickback in one shot anyway. He right. uh, Prowl has one more defense, but it's not that you know the you don't, you don't have to go much farther to get him. Yeah, it just it should be hard to draw one of nine cards in your right. So, do you foresee because you've talked about you're planning on making some changes, and I'm not asking you to reveal all your secrets, but do you feel that you're clearly orange heavy here? And leaning into that, even though you, you're not running the superchargers and things along those lines. Do you think the deck becomes something totally different if you start adding those leaps, if you start adding those, the bigger they are, or you don't think that's even a viable avenue to take to the, to the deck? I would add the bigger they are before I add a leap. Because I mean, that makes sense. I found, we talked about the weakness to the blue heavy decks. Yeah. So like, as much as I don't like Pierce's ability, the Pierce is relevant. Yeah. Um, against the Prime's deck. Absolutely. Um, but I've seen versions that run those cards and their combat flips are worse. And their wheel jacks Because... You're diluting the bowl so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was really trying, um, not to get off, to digress, but yeah. I was trying really hard for a while to make wheel jack shockwave work. Because... You get specialists. You can multi-mission gear. You can loot. You can go make. You can try and go dig for system reboots with that. But the problem is, is exactly what you said. Your combat math now is atrocious because it's okay. He's a, just a five attack, nine cost character, which is yeah. But in that in that situation, you have other ways to do damage. I can see where that might right. It, I mean, it's still something on the drawing board. But uh, back to what you were saying that. Here, if you start going to blue heavy, you now have a five attack bolt zero. I mean, you're flipping other cards, but who cares if yeah. they're all blue? Yeah. I mean, it's it, this is the only deck I've seen that, like, its main character is this low stars in Wheeljack. Right. As its, its main attacker is, I mean, even though Bumblebee can do some amazing things, like, the real finisher is, is the guy you want to keep alive and attacking most often with is Wheeljacks. So. Absolutely. It's like a mid-mid deck instead of like a big little deck. Right. Type of thing. Which definitely makes it unique among other builds. You got Insecticons on one end of the spectrum. You got Primes on the other. 
And then yeah. you have things where it's, okay, I'll run, like, what I ran a few weeks ago, where it's Nemesis and then some other little guys to fill everything out. This one's definitely, you're right in the middle. <laughs> like, almost literally in the middle of the line. Yeah, I think it's the, is it, it, no, it's not, it's almost the exact same cost per star as Dinobots is. You have your 10, you have your, and then I think they right. have a 7. Here you have a 9 and a 6. Like, it's the same type of thought pattern to it. You have your like they're typically like, it's almost it, it almost plays exactly the same. Like, you don't want to lose a guy. You have a lot of combat tricks with like sludge and things like that. Like it, it, it plays a lot like, but there's again like, do you want to like do you want to hit once like a truck? Uh, which I mean I mean like to me like the Grimlock ability similar to untapping allows you to the overflow allows you to have quote an extra attack. Right, right. Um, so that's why I think they play very similar. So, if, like, if you're a Dinobot player, you should consider this deck as well. You probably you'll see a lot of the same play patterns play out. It's an interesting point, and I think that's a good comparison. So, uh, just don't be afraid of one shell stand, one shell fall. <laughs> well, nobody should be afraid of it. I mean, I guess be afraid of your opponent playing it, but don't be afraid of running. Amount of hit, you have a tremendous amount of hit. Like yeah, you just have a tremendous amount, right? I guess that's the only other question I could ask you, at least off the top of my head, because I've, we've covered everything for my notes. Is uh, is one shell stand, one shell fall for you? Always landing on the same guy when you're playing it, or is it, uh, you know, you, however the game works out? Obviously, if somebody only has two health left, you're probably not letting them die, but sometimes it happens. Um, it's, it's again, because you get to, you get to, it, so like, that's where it depends on how many untap effects I've drawn and things like that. Like it's typically going to go on a guy isn't a target because you've controlled who they get to attack. Right. So like a lot of it's negatives, whereas you're putting three damage on a guy. Like I, I haven't even seen, there's been games where I haven't even seen it's negative because I put it on a guy that they can't even attack. So. I mean, are they eventually going to attack that guy? Like, obviously, they straight lose the game if they can never attack your guy. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, it, if, if wishes were fishes, then... <laughs> right. If they never attack the guy. I mean, like, so eventually that three damage is going to matter. But I haven't had it... Where, I've had games where, like, it doesn't really matter because that guy's not a guy that they're... Like, so you can put it on Proud, the weakest hit point-wise of the three, or you can put it on Wheeljack, who you really never want to take damage with. But if they can't attack him, like, does it really matter how much damage they had on them? Like, yeah. So, uh, does it always play out? The, it, it's usually one of those two gets it because Bumblebee is soaking up so many hits that I usually just can't afford to use it on him. Right. Um, but it's in here. It's not in here because I think it's like probably like the card I put in most decks more than anybody, any other player I've seen. Um, it's in here because it turns on Energon Axe, which is extremely in this deck because of the untapping. Absolutely. Um, and because Bumblebee allows you to attack guys you can't tip, the extra three straight damage is worth a lot more than it is to other decks. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Although, so. to be fair, every deck could use an extra three damage. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying, but... it. Everybody so, is going to be happy with that. 
every deck gets that ability 50% when they go first. Mm -hmm. You can do three extra damage to the target that you want to hit 50% of the time. Right. This deck gets to do it, I don't want to say 100% of the time because you still need to draw an untapping effect, but like you get to do it a significantly more because you have Bumblebee. Right. So, um, you, oh, you can't hide from him. Like, that other is <laughs> to it. So, Bumblebee is the Batman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's not, but, but it's, it's a, the games where he doesn't work out, he does nothing. I, I won't, I will, like, the, the games where you don't draw well, he, he's almost a liability. Like, his stats just aren't good. I've tried to rely on his his bot ability and in, like by getting the other guys killed and like mm -hmm. that is not a good <laughs> it is deceptively not a good you're telling me you're telling me <laughs> the dickhead bumblebee deck is is dead mm -hmm. oh yeah though like i'm not trying to piece through tyranny my own guys to turn on that ability so. yeah it seems so tempting but yeah i uh going down to one guy especially now that i have a, a few more games under my belt than when i first saw him I'm not quite as excited by it. <laughs> I mean, there might be other builds out there with him, like armor-based decks that, like, where he would become three to start with, and then you'd have more armor. But like, all you're really doing is adding two hit points, and like, the two attack you can get way easier in other ways in this deck. Oh yeah, in this build, it's it's not a a reasonable line. I guess would be the way to put it. Yeah. I'm sure there's a scenario where it will come up because, you know, we're playing a card game. There are really bizarre edge cases, but anybody out there, I'm not, I wouldn't plan on it, like leaning into that unless you really have to. Yeah. Uh, one thing to note for some of these characters, because this came up playing against it a lot. We're looking at Bumblebee right now and he's melee, but Prowl is not and Wheeljack is not always melee. So funny story, Thundercracker is not a huge fan. Uh, of some of these guys. Uh, I definitely made for some awkward turns where I really wanted to flip on somebody and go, oh, uh, I guess I can't. Whoops. Oh, well. Yeah, like, I'd really like to play Hovercraft in this deck, and I can't. The, I think, what, there's only one, only Prowl is ranged in one yeah. mode. Um, I would not want to play Power Sword in this deck, but, like, could, um, the one matrix is there because Bumblebee is a leader because you really want to be using Turbo Booster often, but like, why not? Yeah, it's um, it's not irrelevant, and obviously it helps yeah. out with the combat map. Um, I don't think there's any like I've tried the specialist route before, having two specialists, and in an ideal situation, you don't you just want to make the best use of your of your action and upgrade every single turn you don't want to play more and multi-mission gear is terrible so yeah or multi-mission tool i'm sorry multi-mission tool is terrible the, so the upgrade one you're talking anyway. about yeah yeah um, yeah i'm not ever excited to play that card yeah but um, it the effect had to be there it's going to happen yep. Yep. <laughs> at least we got it out of the way now we can get some more interesting yeah. stuff to wave too so uh, before we close up, because I think we're starting to hit that point, uh, any other thoughts on cars? No, there's just changes I need to make to it to make it effective against the decks. But uh, cool. Don't so, and don't play a cold. Just make sure you practice a lot of games with it. Like it's not easy. Like it, you're gonna 
you're going to leave yourselves in situations where it seems like you're going to like lose a character and a lot of times it's okay because you you wanted that situation to happen as long as you're making you have to always make efficient attacks you have to always play to your outs got to look at the long run yeah it's a it's not an easy thing right i get that um if you need help with it let me know i've given it i've given this list to people um, awesome and they've had success with it so well speaking of seeking help Tell us where people can find you, Scott. Do you have any articles lined up? I, we already showed the uh, the playmat and the business card earlier. So, uh, what do you got coming down the, the pipeline? Uh, I still need to finish up my what I like the turn zero article that I'm writing, um, which goes through a bunch of scenarios of, of like like who you should decide on who to attack um, with, against, etc. Um, it's just taking me longer because of the holidays and because of PAX preparation. To- Oh yeah. Um, so you can find me at vectorsigma.info. You can hit me up at vectorsigma.info@gmail.com. You can hit me. Various Facebook groups. I find myself. Um, if this is the first time you're listening to this, um, just know there's a lot of information out there, both on the website and in these. Well, you're probably most likely listening to the podcast on the website. Um, but if you have the time, go back through some of the um, podcasts. If this is the first time when you're hearing, because uh, even though I rewrite short descriptions of them, it doesn't do justice to the like little tidbits of information as I've listened back to them we've dropped. Oh, yeah. There's uh, no way you can cover all of it in yeah. a brief write-up. So, and I find, I find that because there are a lot more players getting into the game now, like the same questions on the Facebook are being asked. Like I can't tell you the number of times I've, had to, I've answered the send me a good Dinobot list that I said in the same article for the 10th time today. <laughs> so... Um, just know that there's information out there and and to find it and, and feel free to hit me up. Um, but I do notice every single time I answer a question like a new user, the website count goes up by one. So I know that they're at least um, finding information out there, but I highly recommend Absolutely. the podcast if you haven't. So Yeah. They, you can probably, I mean, the review ones aren't as good as the last few. I think, we, I think well, the last few with the deck reviews are pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, it's you have to look at the cards to begin with. Like that, that's sort yeah. of content we were going to put out there anyway. But I agree with you that over time, as we've figured out the format for the show, and then also actually diving into the deeper details for specific things, that you can uncover a lot of those truths. That you know, if somebody sat down and said, "Hey, tell me everything you know about how to play Transformers properly," it's tough to say, "Okay, well, here's the bullet list." But as part of the conversation, it flows, oh yeah, that thought connects me to this, and then this happens, and then we talk about this other thing. So I definitely get it. Uh, and I would echo what Scott's saying. Definitely check out that older content. Check out VectorSigma.info, because as long as that site's up there, it's definitely a great wealth of knowledge for people to find things. Yeah, uh, I'll be at PAX. I'll be recording games that I'll be playtesting. I'll be playtesting like all day long just because with work and school I don't get as much time to actually play and this and I plan to play the two tournaments a day. So like in between the two tournaments though I plan on just busting out games. So um, I'll have like five decks with me test um stuff. So I plan on playing so look for me there if you want to get some games in. Awesome. Um just know I'll be playing quote real decks. <laughs> um, uh, uh but I'm always down for testing and recording. Um, 
hopefully you and I'll be able to record some material during the during packs where we can kind of put up like little five minute things, especially if there's like spoilers. Oh yeah, or information that comes out and things like that. We can just record it on our phones or something like that and just put it right directly up on the sites or YouTube. So yeah, I'll be we'll find out some stuff. Yeah, my wife will be there. She is the uh, audio visual expert. Uh, cool. So shout out to the wife. Um, yeah, she's she was a uh, theater person, so she knows all this stuff inside and out. And we have oh, a bunch of portable gear that will work because we've done interviews you- at Gen Con before. And as you'd imagine, just lots of people makes it complicated, but it can be done. Are you driving in because of that, or are you training? Oh, no. This is, like, it, it's literally a mic and her phone, and she has it oh, okay. ready to go. Um, which, believe it or not, people out there who keep listening to how terrible I sound, there is a microphone here. It really is. <laughs> See? It, it really is here. <laughs> are you training in or driving in, though? Uh, we're probably hopping on the train. Yeah, so are we. Yeah, because it, it's right here. It's just a couple blocks from us, so it, it would be silly to, to try and pay for parking and deal with that all nonsense. I give yeah, everybody... Oh, okay. get there by 8 a.m. every morning, so I think I have to hop up at 6.30. 8 a.m., wow. Nothing even starts until 10. <laughs> Do the doors even we, open? We have to sign up. There's no there's no pre-reg, so we have to sign yeah. I'm, uh, I'm hoping that there isn't going to be any issue along those lines, like you know, a huge queue to try and get in. I'm hoping it, it'll be smooth and I can get into it, but we'll we'll see how that goes. There's two reasons you have to be there early. Mm-hmm. Sign up for the event, and in case they decide to re-release the San Diego Comic-Con packs, yes. I want to make sure I get them. So. That's absolutely true. <laughs> so, Speaking of Cliff Jumper, No promises, <laughs> but I, who knows? It is yeah. a convention, and if they're convention exclusive Fingers packs, crossed. Yep. We're all hoping, because I, I do really, like, I was able to get my play sets at Gen Con. Um, Same. But it's still, I hope other people can get access to it, and not for absurd prices. Like, yep. it, it's reasonable that people should be able to get these cards in their hands if they really want to play them. So. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I guess with that, we'll close up. For me, we are doing the great rebranding for Random's Thoughts, so you'll see down there if you're watching the video at the house of random uh we're trying to consolidate things into house of random or house of random or the house of random something similar long story short it's a lot easier and rolls off the tongue better than random's thoughts podcast fair enough (laughs) how many s's are in there and are are things plural and did i just slur it and nobody has any idea what i said uh so all the stuff will be in the show notes so definitely check out VectorSigma.info. Hit up Scott if you got any questions. I will probably be wearing this mask that I'm wearing around. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to wear it around. I am Optimus Prime. Just to, just to throw people off, or at least until it starts to bother me, because after a while I don't want to wear it anymore. <laughs> but in any yeah, case. I, I'll have a Transformers t-shirt or a Ready t-shirt, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everybody there, it'll be very obvious where the Transformers people are. I'm confident of that. <laughs> So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening and tune in next time for some more random thoughts.